Nehemiah chapter 7. I, I, I want to talk to you this week. Last week we talked about how Nehemiah was at this place where the wall was almost finished, but it wasn't done yet. He was getting ready to set the gates and the doors, and Sambalit and Tobiah have come to distract him and pull him away from his mission, but he had decided that he had a great work to do. Anybody approach your job just a little bit differently this week? All right, nobody. Awesome. <laughs> really cool. <clears throat> I quit. All right, good. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> let me ask that again. Did anybody approach your job a little bit different this week after what God dealt with us on last week? And so we're doing a great work. And even though it might feel insignificant, God has positioned us where we are for a purpose. And uh, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And you're like, Robbie, I don't feel very good all the time. Well, aren't you thankful today that your goodness doesn't rest on your goodness? Your goodness is something that's attached to what Jesus has done for you. So if you are in Christ, you, you're good. You're good with God, and God is pleased with you. But I want to talk to you today about how the wall has been finished. They, they finished the wall and set the gates in 52 days. It's a miracle. As a matter of fact, one of the things that the enemy was so upset about was how fast the work was going. And they were, they, it almost scared them. And I, want to, I might get to this at the end, but I want to talk to you about four of the enemy's greatest fears. Because um, you do know that that the devil is actually more afraid of you than you should be of him. It's like that little bitty dog that just kind of, yip, 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 yip. and you look at it and you're like, oh, you, you make a lot of noise, but I could kick you really easily in your life. And you don't do it. You don't do it. You don't do that. But you know you could. You know what I mean? And that's, that's the way the enemy is under our Feet, that's what the Bible teaches us. And uh, so, so he, he finishes, it's quick, and he's getting ready to kind of do the big uh, announcement, and everybody's coming into the city, and everybody's excited about all of the work being finished. And in Nehemiah chapter 7, I want to read this to you. This is what the Bible says. Nehemiah 7, I'm going to start verse 1. It says, After the wall had been rebuilt, and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hananiah, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. And I said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. Also, appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their posts and some near their own houses. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask over these next few moments you would speak clearly to us. Thank you for blessing us with your great presence that we feel right now. I want to thank you for our worship team that just, they just do such an incredible job of ushering in your presence and taking us into your presence. I thank you for that. I want to thank you for a church that comes ready to to enter in, ready to praise, ready to sing, ready to worship, ready to lift our hands, ready to dance, ready to lift up a shout. We thank you for that. Thank you for a, a house that feels that freedom that there is in worship. Thank you that the joy that comes in worship becomes our strength as we walk through the rest of our week. And we give you glory and honor for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Again, just a little bit of backstory on Nehemiah. Nehemiah has decided that he wanted to leave his job as a cupbearer to the king and he wanted to rebuild the walls 
in Jerusalem. And he did this because his brother Hanani had brought a message to him that the people of God, even though they were now free from Babylonian captivity, and even though many of them were home and they were not in exile anymore, they were still living like they were under bondage. They were still spread out. They were still discouraged. They were still walking around with their heads down. And even though the temple had been rebuilt and they were going to the temple, the walls of the city laid in ruin. And so Nehemiah gets this burden and he realizes that everything that happens in the temple is in jeopardy if the walls aren't established. And I talked to you about this last week. I talked to you about seeing this, not just some physical walls off in a distant land, but when we see these walls and we see this temple, this really represents us. The way I like to see this story is not that just not just this is the the wall being rebuilt and and the temple being restored, but I love to see this story as, as, as a people being restored and a people being rebuilt. And when you look at it, you can look at it this way. You can look at the temple and realize that the Bible teaches me that my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. So your body is the temple. And if your body is the temple, that would make my heart and my mind the walls. Biblically, listen to this, biblically the heart and mind are the same. About 200 times in the Old Testament it mentions the heart in connection with the mind or the thought life or the emotions or the issues of life or the things that motivate us and guide us. Proverbs 23 and 7, a very famous verse in the Bible says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 25 and 28 says that a man that has no self-control is like a city that is broken into without walls. So my heart and my mind are the way God protects what he's doing in the temple. And my eyes and my ears and my mouth are the gates. Matthew chapter 6, 22 through 22, 23 says the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, everything that happens inside of the temple will be full of darkness. So that's why you can experience a revival on Sunday and then lose your mind on Monday. Because you can have revival in the temple, but if you got bad eyes, your whole body is going to be affected by that. The temple is going to be affected by what's happening at the gates. This is good. So if the light in you is darkness... How great is the darkness? Psalm 4, 141 and 3 says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Yes. It says, Keep watch over the door of my lips. Proverbs 13 and 3 says, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. Any of the fellas in the room just want to say amen. amen. You could have said that to your wife, but you knew you wanted to live, so you kept your mouth shut and everything went good. Amen. Come on, somebody. Oh, praise the Lord. And Luke 1, says, For behold, when the sound of your greeting, this is when Mary goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth, and they both are pregnant, and Elizabeth is a little further along than Mary. And when Mary goes to greet Elizabeth, this is what Elizabeth says. She says, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby inside me leaped for joy. So the gates of my life are actually affecting the temple of my body. 
what I'm allowing in my ears, allowing in my eyes, and allowing to come out of my mouth. The New Testament teaches us that it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of a man that defiles him. So it's not just the things that I'm eating, and even though i got to be careful with that, but it's the things that I'm saying. Because actually what happens when I say stuff is the Bible teaches there's life and death in the power of my tongue. So I actually create the world I'm living in with my mouth. So my mouth is affecting my life. My eyes are affecting my temple. My ears are affecting what God is doing in my life. And so notice what Nehemiah does. The Bible says that Nehemiah, after the doors were set, after the gates were set, he set at the gates. The Bible says he set porters, he set musicians and singers, and Levites. Porters are the gatekeepers. The porters are the ones who decide what gets to come into the city. Before you ever see the king, before you ever see the temple, before you ever get access to the restaurants and the houses and the community, you have to come through the gate. And there is a gatekeeper there that decides when they look at you and speak to you whether or not you deserve access into the kingdom. And I think it's amazing, isn't it, that we take more time to, to, to make sure our houses are secure than we do our own hearts. We take more time and we spend more money on paying a monthly fee so that someone can alert us when there's a fire in our house or when somebody's trying to break into our house, but we don't have any guards set over our hearts. And I came to tell you this morning, you need gatekeepers at the gates. You can't just allow everyone in and everything in. This is what I say to my kids all the time and my, to, my, to my family when it comes to relationships. I tell them this. Everyone should be loved, but everyone doesn't get the same access. And when you are reckless with, with the placement of people and things in your life, you are not taking your life seriously. Some people say to me at church, they'll say things like, man, you're really transparent. And, and I'm like, I'm not transparent. I'm authentic. I'm going to be as real as I possibly can, but I am not transparent with you. You couldn't see all that I am and still go to church here, can somebody? No more than if we threw on the screen your thought life. Could you stay in the room this morning? So I am not transparent. You can't see all the way into me. My wife, my wife doesn't even see everything that there is about me. The only one who sees all the way through me is God. Right? So I'm authentic with everyone and I'm transparent with a few. <laughs> and and here's, here's what I found out about my life is that sometimes I have, I have warped views of, of, of humanity, of people, not because people are so bad. It's, it's very often because I keep letting the wrong people have access. You ever, you ever have a friend and they're just like, why do I just pick all the bad guys? That's an access issue. Why does it seem like I always, let's, let's, let's take it back. Where are you finding these guys? I, I, why does it seem like I always pick the wrong guy? Well, where are you finding your guys? I mean, at the bar, but does it? (laughs) 
could it be that you are giving the wrong people access? And sometimes in your life, I've said this to you before, sometimes maybe even your warped view of men is not that all men are bad. It's just the men that you've experienced are bad. And if you're not careful, you'll keep giving that same type of person access because that's what you're comfortable with and familiar with. And you won't get, you won't take any time to learn a different type of man or a different type of woman or different type of friendship. And so you just keep letting the same people back into your life because you're not serious about your relationships. So the, the gatekeepers, you would come and you'd be like, I need to see the king. And they'd be like, why? Well, I have a message. What's the message? <sighs> but it's urgent. Why is it urgent? You need, you need someone, and this can't always be you. Sometimes, and, and, could, I, could, I, could I suggest that if your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, could, could I suggest that you let the Holy Spirit start answering the door? more than you answer the door. Could I suggest, if you, if you don't have a great relationship with the Holy Spirit, could I suggest that you get a friend who's got some Holy Spirit connection in their life and, and before you allow someone access, you say, hey, what are you feeling about this person? What do you think about this opportunity? What do you think? Because if, if you don't have a level of discernment that matches the call that God is, has on your life, then you can mess up your calling because you keep attaching yourself to the wrong people. Because everybody that shows up to the gate of your life doesn't deserve access. And there are some people right now, you're discouraged and you're sad and you're mad. And I'm like, well, what did you watch this week? What did you listen to this week? Amen. Who did you allow in this week? Well, I listen to three hours of talk radio every day. That's what's wrong with your life, bro. That's your issue. Oh, my goodness. I've been like, I've been in this kick where I'm just like, I'm listening to a lot more comedy now. So I, I, I used to, when I would feel sad, and we're going to talk about that, but I used to, when I would feel like sad emotions, I, I, would, I, would, I, would, uh, I would play music that matched my emotion. And this is what a lot of y'all do. It's like you're, you're at the gate of your life, and you're just kind of kicking rocks. And somebody comes along, and they're sad, and you're like, oh, they're like me. And you're like, hey, come on in. Let's hang out. And let's listen to some sad kick rock music, you know? And, and, and what I started to do is I started to listen to things that were the opposite of my sad emotions. <laughs> it's really hard to be sad and listen to songs about joy and peace. And, but man, it's really easy to be sad and listen to some country songs about, you know, she left me and the whiskey ain't working and the, you know. And then I'm looking for a bar and I'm looking for a dog to kick and a, you know. It's like, why do I feel this way? Because you keep allowing things that match your emotions into your, into your life. So I started, I've also started to just listen to comedy when I'm sad. <laughs> just listen to jokes when I'm sad. And I'm like, I, I'm, and I'm like trying not to laugh, you know, because I'm sad. <laughs> I 
And I was listening to one the other day, and I was mad. I was I was mad, and I turned on this like uh, uh, this one of the cleaner ones out there. I can't name all the people that I listen to because y'all would judge me. But uh, like a Jim Gaffigan, and, and and Jim was talking. He was talking. And I was just sitting there. I was sad. And he's like, South will never rise again. I was like, What is he talking about? He said biscuits and gravy. South's too fat to ever rise again. <laughs> I was like, that's actually true. We are. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Woo, I was dying. But you got to set the right people at the gate. And if you're not capable of guarding your gate, maybe it shouldn't be you for this season that you're in. Maybe you need a relationship with someone where you just rely strictly on the word of God to define what is right and wrong Hallelujah. for you. Because there are no static relationships in our life. And it's not enough to just ask who is in my life, but you should also ask who sent them. Right? The gatekeeper's responsibility is like, where are you from? Who do you represent? Oh, you're from there. That group of people means to harm my king. You're not coming in. I'll take the message, but you can't. You can't come in. And here's the thing about relationships is they consume the most valuable asset that you have in your life, and that's your time. And if you don't handle your relationships properly, then you're mismanaging something you cannot get back. And this is not being judgmental about people. This is, being, this is about alignment. Amen. Amos 3 and 3 says, how can two people walk together unless they agree? And too many of you are trying to walk with people, and it's an unequal yoke. And here's the problem with an unequal yoke. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? This is a mental picture for these people who are hearing this story. An unequal yoke. They would, this was an agricultural society, so they would understand what Jesus was talking about immediately. When you're talking about a yoke, you would, that, that's a picture of two animals that are together and they're working towards the same purpose. But if you have an ox with a donkey, <laughs> then those are two different animals. They are both capable of plowing the field, but they have two different temperaments, two different perspectives. Two different types of body function and, and use. One can carry something that the other can't. One is very willing, the ox. And one is very stubborn, the donkey. And could it be that a lot of you are very willing to do what God is asking you to do, but you are yoked to a donkey who doesn't want to serve the Lord, who doesn't want to follow the Lord? Could it be that you really want to go after God, but you are connected to somebody who's like, I don't know about church. I don't know about giving. I don't even know why we're here this morning. Mm. So you got you to, gotta, you gotta, he's set at the gate. The porters, the gatekeepers, and he set singers. Ephesians 5, 15 through 20 says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. He says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. 
man, did you notice anything about 2020 that was radically different than before 2020? Like, I started to notice that those little containers that my neighbors put their alcohol bottles in were like five times more full than they were before COVID hit. And, and what you're starting to discover now is that alcoholism took root in people's lives during COVID like it had never taken root before. And when we get in a position where we are, where we are isolated and insulated from other people, if we aren't careful to set the right things at the gate, the wrong things will gain access. And, and, and instead of a rise of praise from our lips, there was a rise of the bottle to our lips. And we, become intoxic- we became intoxicated with wine and we started making decisions. That's why when you look back, you look at marriages that didn't make it, marriages that were strong and you thought they were good until 2020 hit. And you, you thought things were stable and you thought people were normal and you thought people were in their right mind. And then 2020 hit and you're like, oh my gosh, they've been turning to the bottle instead of Jesus. And we've been setting the wrong thing at the gate. And so no wonder we look at the world we're looking at now and go, man, this place is crazy. That's because when we had an an opportunity to set the right things at the gate, we let the wrong things have access. And sing, here's, here's the thing about setting singers at the gate. He says this, he says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. What does being filled with the Spirit do? It does so many of the same things that being filled with wine does. When you see in Acts chapter 2, when they get, when they get filled with the Spirit... Peter has to come out and he's like, hey, listen, I know they're acting like they're drunk, but these are not men that are drunk like you think they are drunk since it's early in the day. You know, it's in the Tennessee tailgate party at a 3.30 afternoon kickoff on CBS. This is, this, is, this is not the time of the day for this. These men have been filled with the Spirit. This is what Joel talked about, that in the last days I would pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And this is what happens when you get filled with the Spirit. It starts to affect your walk. It starts to affect your speech. It starts to affect your reflexes. It affects your pain tolerance. You ever seen a drunk person get hit and just jump back up? I'll never forget. I was I was watching a fight, and this guy he was he was gone. He just kept getting hit and jumping back up. He could barely walk, but he kept getting up on his feet. And I thought about how that applies to us as Christians when we get filled with the Spirit and we get drunk like that and the enemy throws his best shot at us. It's like, I don't even feel that anymore because I've been filled with the Spirit. Anybody in the room would say, I'd rather be filled with the Spirit than filled with wine. (laughs) And then watch what he says. Watch what being filled with the Spirit leads to. It leads to speaking to one another with hymns, with psalms and songs from the spirit sing he says and make music from your heart to the lord this is why this is why men most men i heard someone say years ago most men live lives of quiet desperation if you were to really look out over the room on a sunday morning the people who refuse to sing the people who refuse to clap their hands, the people who refuse to lift their hands, the people who refuse to show emotion in church, the majority of those would be men. That's just not our thing, Rob. It was your thing yesterday when Tennessee got their butts handed to them 
and you were crying like a baby on your couch because you thought you were going to win the national championship. And you're in depression this morning. Some of them didn't even come to church this morning and they're watching online because they're so sad. Don't tell me that's a woman thing. You act like a woman when your team. Probably not a very, it's a very sexist thing to say, but I'm not. I'm not saying that women are emotional. I'm just saying that women are emotional. I mean, oh my God. <laughs> this is like, that's a woman thing. That, that, that dancing and singing and praising, that's, that's, a, that's what the women do at church. No wonder most men live lives of quiet desperation because there's no singing in your life. There's no worship in your life. There, there's no singing at the gate of your life. And when there isn't singing at the gate of your life, no wonder you struggle with alcohol and drugs and prescription pills because there's no singing at the gate. And if you would replace that with singing, joy would fill your heart. Gratitude would fill your heart. When you sing, the Bible teaches that when you sing and you declare how good God is and you lift up the name of the Lord with your voice, it teaches us that unthankfulness leaves our life and gratitude enters into our life. So he says, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to the God, to God, the Father for everything. And in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, singing again, it lets gratitude in and pushes unthankfulness out. Amen. Here's the thing about letting stuff out. Have you ever, there's a difference between singing and, and being grateful and making a joyful noise than there is in venting. I just need somebody to vent to. Yeah, come on over here. <laughs> Tell me all the junk that's in your life and how frustrated you are with life. Yeah, I just need somebody to talk to, Rob. I just need somebody to tell him how bad my wife is at making dinner. <laughs> how mean my kids are, and they don't, they don't respect me at all. And let me tell you about my job. My boss doesn't pay me right, doesn't treat me right. Just venting and you're venting. Well, here's the thing about the same mouth that lets it out, lets it in. And with that lack of gratitude that's in your life, you're actually bringing back into your life the very things that you're speaking out of your mouth. If you want your life to change, start changing what you say about your life. So he's like, he's like, I set the singers there, man. Once, once, once we had completed, the temple is done and the wall is finished and the gates are set. I'm taking this seriously. He said, we're gonna set, we're gonna set it up right. We're gonna have gatekeepers. We're gonna set the singers up. I love what Psalm 96, one through two says: Sing to the Lord a new song. He says, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Proclaim good tidings of His salvation from day to day. Science, research actually teaches us that singing is good for you on many different levels. It helps lower stress. It boosts immunity and lung function. It enhances your memory, improves your mental health, helps you cope with physical and emotional pain. <laughs> Listen to this. It may even help you with snoring. Your wife is like, boy, you better sing. Boy. You better sing. 
Why does it do that? Because singing actually causes your body to, 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 to breathe in a different way. And your breathing functions have become so problematic to, to many of you um, that many of us in this room are having to sleep with like a, a, a machine or oxygen and all of that stuff. And science teaches us that many of our breathing issues could be solved by singing because when you sing, it requires a different part of your brain than talking. Ask Pastor Ron Lee this question. Pastor Ron Lee, when you talk, have you over your lifetime had an issue with stuttering? Yes. When you sing, do you stutter? Never. Because you access a different part of your brain when you sing. I just came to tell somebody today that you're like, ah, that singing thing, that's not for me. Oh, it, like, like I know you don't want to go to the gym and run on the treadmill and lift weights, but you could save a lot of years on your life if you would just open up your mouth and sing. That's why the Bible says it is good to sing praise to our God. It's not just in there to just tell you, no, these things are, you know, these things are good for, no, these things are not just... Us singing praise to God is not something that God needs to feel good about himself. The Bible teaches us to do things because it's not only good for our spiritual health, but it's actually good for our natural health. Oh, man. So they were responsible for singing at the gate. There was constant praise and thanksgiving going up to God. Psalm 104 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and in his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Listen, if God has a standard for how we should enter into his presence, why don't you have one for how people should enter into yours? Man, some of y'all love that negativity. The Bible teaches that, that gossip is like, a, is like chocolate cake. It's like, a, it's like a tasty morsel, the Bible says. It's like candy. It's like whatever your favorite candy is, that's what gossip is to you. You like Reese's Cup? That's gossip. Gossip. Mm, man, I love that gossip. Give me more of that. And you just eat it, and, you, and then no wonder your life is unhealthy because of what you're consuming. <laughs> so it's like people come to you with that negativity, and you're like, ooh, give me some of that. People call you and like, hey, did you hear what so-and-so did? Oh, yeah. Give me some of that. Yo, have you heard the details on what happened with their marriage? No, I haven't. But I'd like to. Did you know some so-and-so got arrested? Oh, man. Tell me what they did. Oh, we love that. We love that because we just, we want, that's what we've got at the gate. It's like we, our gatekeeper's there. It's just like, any bad news? Oh, come on in. <laughs> it's like inflation went up. Oh, it did, did it? What else bad happened today? It dropped another bomb over in Europe. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. What else happened bad today? And it just keep, we just fill our life with bad news and bad reports. When God himself is like, enter my gates with thanksgiving. Hallelujah. And I've had to say to some people in my life, like, yo, stop. What are you doing? 
you're judging me. No, I'm not judging you. I'm taking control of my life. I'm taking control of the gates of my life. It's no judgment on you. You can go talk to the tree and tell him your gossip. But I don't have time for that because I am trying to build a life of thanksgiving and a life of praise and a life of gratitude. I'm trying to be healthy. And I can't just let anybody come in. And then the Bible says that he assigned the Levites there. Now the Levites, numbers four and four, these, these singers and these gatekeepers would have been Levites. But when he specifically calls out the Levites, what he's talking about is he's talking about specifically the priests are the ones who are responsible for the most holy things. Number four and four says that the Levites were responsible for the most holy things. They were responsible for making sure that there was a reverence for the things that were, that were protected by the wall. That, 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 that belongs to God. They would remind people. They, they would be at the gate reminding people. Today is this holiday. Today is the day where we praise God for this. Today is the day where we're reminded about what God did here. Today is the day where we, we give God an offering for this. Today is the day where we bring a sacrifice for this. Today is the day where we, we enter into the temple and the, and, and the priest would do his work and it would be a day of atonement. Today is that day and they would, they would, they would be around the gates to remind everybody coming in, today is a holy day. So, so when you walk around the city, today's the day to be quiet or today's the day of rejoicing. And So they would remind people of how valuable the things of God were. And, and, and you, need, you, need, you need to have a, a holy respect for, for the things of God. I'll, I'll never forget growing up, my parents, they just refused to do it. They just would not talk bad about the church. They would not talk bad about things of God. They would not sit around and talk bad about people who had fallen in ministry and people who were divorced and people who had gone through stuff. And I never heard my parents discussing other people's marriages. I, I never heard my parents discussing how bad the people were in the church, even though I knew they were being hurt, even though I knew they were being taken advantage of, even though I knew people weren't treating them right. I never heard them. Dis so I have grown up. And even though people have treated me wrong and written bad Google reviews about me I still love the church I still value the things of God because I had a priest in my life I had a Levite in my life he was at the gate reminding me that these things are important and what what Nathan was doing this morning even when he reminded you that the first fruit belongs to God that the first tenth of your your income and your increase belongs to God he was like a Levite standing at the gate saying reminding you that I know God blessed you out here but I need you to remember as you're coming in you need to make sure that you remember the Lord everything belongs to God the first of all our increase belongs to God. This is, this is what the Levite does. This is what you need in your life. You need a healthy reminder. That's holy unto God. Sunday isn't an option. Sunday is set apart for the house of God. I don't care how we feel. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what's happening in the economy. I don't care what's happening on our job. We're going to the house of God. It's set apart. It's holy. And you haven't set up the Levite at the gate who says, hey, 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 today's the day. We got it. We're going to church today. <sighs> the house of God today. Yeah. Reminding your kids. I tell my kids all the time, hey, they get it. They get it. They get their first job. 
They get their first check. You know, truly and honestly, all of that belongs to the Lord. So it's actually kindness of God to let us keep 90 and, and give 10. Because he could ask the opposite. He could say, give me 90, I'll let you deal with the 10. But he doesn't. So I'm like, hey, I want to remind you. First tenth of every increase in your life, that belongs to God. Sunday was not an option growing up. There were days that I wanted to come and days that, man, I did not want to be here. Still. This year. Two weeks ago. There's a gatekeeper reminding me. That's set apart. <laughs> so I said Monica. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's very true. But there's a gatekeeper reminding me that's God's. That belongs to the Lord. Man, I, I, I want to make sure that in my life, at the gate of my life, the gate of my life. It's the gate. The mouth. The ears. The eyes. I want to make sure that I'm setting before me the things of God. And I'm not only setting those things before me, but I'm, I'm talking about those things accurately. Is the church messed up in some ways? Absolutely. Why? Because it's full of humanity. But the church is still God's plan. The church is actually the only thing that God is building in the earth. So you can sit back and talk about the church all you want. And we have our flaws. But we are still, we are still the best hope that this world has of seeing and knowing and encountering Jesus. This is how he set it up. You're like, it's no, it's so bad now. You didn't read your Bible. Oh, preachers are so bad now. You should have seen some of them in the Bible. Church is, the church has blessed my life. Have I been hurt in church? Yes. But I've been healed. See, this is the difference from the world and the church. The world only hurts me. It cannot heal me. Will I get hurt in church? Absolutely, because you're going to interact with humans. But when you are in the church, you also have the opportunity for healing that is not available. This type of healing isn't available on your job. It's only available in the house. It's only available in this community. So I set what at the gates. I said, I set up the, the gatekeepers. I set up the singers, and I, I set up the Levites. And then he tells them, he says, hey, and um, this is our strategy right now. He says, I don't want to... Open up the gates until the sun is hot. That's what he says in Nehemiah 7. This is actually a departure from the way it was normally done. The gates would open as soon as the sun would rise. But he recognized that they were under a certain level of threat that required a different level of operation. And I came to tell somebody that it's not just what you let in, it's when you let it in. 
So he says, I have an appointed time that the gates can be opened. And the gates cannot be opened until the sun is hot because when the sun is hot, now everybody in the community is up. At sunrise, you got some, you got some people who are still waking up. They're still rubbing the, the booger, eye boogers out. They're still just getting their coffee. They're still, you know, just figuring their way out of their bedroom. While the, when the sun is hot, everybody's up, everybody's working, everybody's alert. And so if we get attacked, then everybody's ready. But if I open them up too soon and we get attacked, then everybody isn't ready. And some of you need to understand when it's time for you to open up the gates. <laughs> some of you need to understand that the, the best thing for you is probably not putting your cell phone by your bed. And as soon as your eyes open, before you do anything, you reach over and grab your phone and you, with your eyes still coming open, you, you turn your phone on and it blinds you at first. And then you turn down the, the light and you're like, Instagram. What? Nehemiah understood there are some things that I don't need to open until I'm alert enough for them to be opened. It's not that social media is bad. For some of you, it is bad. You just need to delete it. But for a lot of you, it's not that it's bad for you. It's just the time of day you're consuming it. For some of you, it's, it's not that, that what you're doing is technically bad. It's that the time of day that you're doing it makes you more susceptible to attack. Oh my God. It's like a parent who would say nothing good happens after midnight. And you're like, but the party doesn't get started until midnight. That's the point. He said during the dark, when the sun isn't hot, you lock it up. Some of y'all need to make sure some of y'all need to start make sure that before you say what you need to say to that person you've prayed before you say it you, you need to make sure that before you open up the gate you have the sun has gotten hot that the sun has risen on that situation in other words what I'm telling you is that some of you some of you need to pray a little bit longer until the sun rises on that situation some, some, some of us just wake up in the morning we just automatically jump into things and it's like no, 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 no no. I understand, hey, I understand it's, I cannot have a really serious conversation with my wife that she isn't going to want to put me in a headlock and destroy me until she's had her coffee like I just know that like the, the sun has to rise to a certain level and the coffee has to get to a certain, you know what I'm talking about like don't mess with me until I have and, and we, we, we live that way when it comes to like our coffee and food. Don't talk to me until I've eaten. You understand that thing? That, that's such a natural thing and it happens to us. But it's such a spiritual thing as well. Some of us are waking up and before the day even starts, before we've ever talked to God about it, before we've ever gone to the Lord about the day, we start allowing, we start allowing the things of the world to have access to us turn on the news. Have you prayed? Nah. Yeah, I, I would pray before I watched any news in the day we live in. 
turn on social media. Have you talked to God? Nah. I would talk to God before you go on the compare machines and look at everybody else's life. And I would talk to God. So you have to know it's not just about what is coming in. It's about when you are letting it into your life. You know what I'm talking about? Let's stand together today. And the enemy will fight you on all of this. He will fight you tooth and nail on the gatekeepers in your life, on the singing and the music that you allow into your life, the influences that you allow in your life. He will fight you on the house of God. He will get you to make every excuse why the things of God are not important. And he does this because it reveals his greatest fears. His greatest fears is that you will... His greatest fears are wrapped up in in Nehemiah chapter 4. In Nehemiah chapter 4, Sambalit and Tobiah are having a conversation and they're seeing how the work of God is going. They're seeing that the the, the walls are being rebuilt. And this is what happens. He he makes this statement. He goes, goes, "Um, what do these feeble Jews think they're doing? He's like, uh, will they... Will they fortify themselves? Will they, will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish this in a day? Do you think they'll be able to even take those heaps of burned rock and, and rebuild the city? It's a revelation of what he fears. Notice, it starts out, he says, who do these feeble Jews think they are? And it's, it, it reminds me of Jesus when he stood before Pilate. And Pilate thought he was in control of the life of Jesus. And he said, hey, your life is in my hands. And Jesus reminded him, no man has my life in their hands. My life is in my hands. I'm going to lay it down on myself and then I'm going to take it back up on myself. Who was Jesus? Jesus was a Jewish man. There is no such thing as a feeble Jew. Chosen people of God, you can't be feeble. You can't be feeble when you're God's choice. So Jesus wanted to remind Pilate, never confuse my condition with my position. You might think I look weak, but I am not weak. If I'm a child of God, I might look weak, but let the weak say I am strong and let the poor say I am rich. Not because of my circumstances, but because of who I belong to. He was afraid that they would find out who they were. What do they think they're doing? As long as we can make them think they're feeble, then we can control them. But if they realize who they are, and his fear was, will they fortify themselves? The word fortify is the Hebrew word azav. It means to restore, or it means to loosen bands, to let go. Will they shake us off is what they're worried about. Will they loosen themselves from our grip? This is what the enemy is worried about. He, he's concerned. He, he's not. <laughs> he's concerned with you because of how strong you really are. He's concerned with you because if you start to realize who you are in Christ, you won't be afraid of him anymore. And you will shake yourself free of all of the things that he is using to hold you back. One of the ways he holds you back is the shame of your past. And here you have a people who are in bondage and set free, but they're still living under the shame of being a dominated people. But God, whom the sun sets free, 
he is free indeed and the bible says that jesus came to destroy the works of the devil one of the works of the devil and one of the ways that he holds you hostage is shame and when you realize that i don't have to live in shame from what i've done and from who i've been and the mistakes i've made then he's like then he's like will they will they offer sacrifice will they start worshiping again and if they worship again could they finish it in a day Oh, do you see it now? His fears are being exposed. He he is concerned that if they figure out who they are and they shake themselves free of our bondage and then they start to worship God, that means that God's going to get involved in this situation. And that means that something that should have taken them over a year to do, will they be able to do it in a day? This is why the enemy fights you in your singing and in your worship. Because when you sing and you worship, you invite the Holy Spirit of God to come in and get involved in a situation. And something that would have taken you years to accomplish, years to get over, years to get through. God can do it in a day. He's afraid you're going to get your life back. That's what he's afraid of. So I came to tell some people today, make sure you take responsibility for the gates of your life. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Thank you for your word. We, we need it. We need it in a day where the culture is trying to set the tone of our life. and We need it. Help us to set at the gates, the keepers of the gate, the singers at the gate the Levites, those who value the things of God at the gate. We don't need to leave this place in fear. Help us to leave this place with courage, knowing that the the enemy is more afraid of us than we should ever have been of him. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Come on, can we rejoice today?